I'm Peter Medlin, and you are listening to Teacher's Lounge. Happy New Year. And if this is your first time hearing our show, it's a simple idea. We've all had teachers in our lives who helped shape who we are, and we want to hear about the educators who've inspired you and the educators in your community who deserve a spotlight. Every educator we've had on this show, 50-plus, maybe 60-plus episodes at this point, whether teacher, coach, or professor, is nominated by you, the folks who listen to this show. So please, be a part of the show. Tell us about the person who comes to your mind. Email us with your nominations at teacherslounge at niu.edu. Today on the show, we have Jessica Sperry. She has just switched from teaching elementary school to high school special education, all while raising a baby during a pandemic. God, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. And we talked about how tough it was for her and her students and her parents at the beginning of the pandemic, trying to figure all this out. And then we went into how she's learning now how to motivate her high school students, the way you motivate any teenagers, I guess. We do pancakes on Monday. Ooh. Brilliant Again, start to the week. trying to wake up high schoolers. I'm like, let's make pancakes. Let's, if there's anything that's going to get me up on a Monday morning, pancakes might be it. I think it's I a good call. I'm like, I'm hoping they'll come to school like excited. They know it's pancake day. I'm trying my best. Pancake day. How good does that sound? We talked about all of that and so much more on Teacher's Lounge. It's a new year, but... As we've learned throughout the pandemic that sometimes the more things change, the more they stay the same. So even entering the second semester of the third COVID school year, outbreaks are still wreaking havoc on students and staff all across the country and here in Illinois. Schools are trying to return from their holiday breaks, but Omicron has other ideas. More than 4,500 schools across the country are being disrupted by COVID-19 this week. That's far and away higher than at any other point this school year. And you know, teachers and principals and parents and media pundits, everyone says keeping students in class is the number one priority. But when over 100 staff members test positive, you can't just conjure new staff or substitutes out of thin air. West Chicago Elementary School District students are learning from home again this week. Superintendent Christina Davis says they knew they'd have at least 70 staff members absent on Monday when they made the tough call to move remote. Now, just a few days later, that number is up to 125 staff members who have tested positive. Davis says they had students and staff practice remote learning before break, just in case of a snowstorm or this. To make sure they know how to log on, where to go how to use the technology, um, where the schedules are online, made sure they took their technology home before break and that teachers did. Students are concerned that this will be just like last year and remote learning will continue on past this week. Davis says they're planning to resume in person on Monday, but it'll still be a challenge to cover every class. A teacher may even be remote while their students learn in person. Current guidelines call for staff to quarantine 10 days after a positive test. And David says lowering that number would actually help significantly. And the district gives parents an option to test their kids weekly. And they're rolling out test-to-stay plans, which we explained a couple weeks back as well. But David says testing is really difficult. And that's in part because they're on their third different testing lab that they're using because of staff shortages at those COVID testing labs. Okay, now before we get into my conversation, I've got one more story for you, a history lesson for you, actually. A new exhibit at Northern Illinois University's Blackwell Museum charts the school's history from a teacher preparation institute way back in the 1800s through today, and 
I went to the exhibit, got a full tour to get educated on how these artifacts don't just tell the history of that school particularly, but also the story of how education has evolved. You can learn a lot about the history of education just by studying how textbooks have evolved. Take reading, for example. A glass case at the center of the exhibit titled A Worthy Calling, 125 plus years of teaching teachers, houses four books used to teach kids how to read. The first is from the 1890s, around the time NIU was founded, then from the 20s, 40s, and 60s. Patrick Roberts is a professor and faculty director of the Blackwell Museum. In the early part of the 20th century, there's a real emphasis on things like pitch and force. And then later in the century, you know, the emphasis on phonics. And then here, when you get up to Dr. Seuss, there's a big emphasis on selective reading, giving children the choice as to what they want to read as a way to build literacy. Robert spent several years curating. He collected toys, tests, and technology that tell the story of how teaching and learning have changed in the past century and how NIU has tried to stay on the cutting edge of education. NIU has long been at the forefront of special education. Graham Hall was built as a school for teaching exceptional children, as a training school. Exploring the museum, you can find a vintage Braille typewriter for students with visual impairments. Robert says NIU has led initiatives in experimental education as well. The exhibit features a magic lantern projector from the 1800s, a kerosene lamp showing images hand-painted onto glass like an overhead projector. In 1960, the College of Education hosted a workshop on the educational value of airborne television. Airborne television was this idea where a plane would fly and broadcast educational content to school districts you know, through a wide range. Robert says part of the project is also reflecting on if the university has lived up to that worthy calling the name of the exhibit evokes. Today, as a university, the College of Education is just one piece of the whole. But at its founding in the 1890s, teacher preparation was the mission. Back then, it was called the Northern Illinois State Normal School. You can look at textbooks on teaching methods written by NIU's first president, John Cook, read notes a girl named Grace White took in her zoology class in 1905, even find a flowing gray dress that a normal school girl would have worn. Cook, the university's first president's nickname, was the crown prince of teacher education. He was a pioneer of the Herbartian method, which treated teaching as a science and emphasized lesson plans as opposed to just giving students a series of facts to memorize. It's no wonder he referred to teacher prep as, quote, a worthy calling. But to really trace the roots of the worthy calling, you have to leave the official exhibit and drive a few blocks away. We're standing right next to an apartment complex and Husky Stadium, the giant football stadium, and then there's just yeah, a building. I, I assume many people think it's just like a church. It's not a church. It's a one-room schoolhouse built in 1900. This used to be where students in the Milan School District learned. It was one of dozens of tiny schools throughout DeKalb County. Robert says it closed in the 1940s. I think it was used to store hay at one point. And then in the Makes 1990s, sense. a group raised money and uh, had it dismantled at its original location and brought over here and reconstructed on campus. After perusing old artifacts at the museum, walking into the schoolhouse is like walking right into 1905. A wood-burning stove sits in the corner, old books still rest on students' desks. Behind the teacher's desk, there's a 100-year-old poster that would have been used to teach kids about physiology and give a morality lesson about the dangers of alcohol and cigarettes. Robert says students from 1st to 8th grade would all learn together under the guidance of their teacher. 
Most of these one-room schoolhouse teachers had no formal training, but NIU hosted institutes in its early days to try to bring John Cook's science-based approach to rural educators. So has the school lived up to that worthy calling Cook embraced so many years ago? Robert says, I think he would answer yes. You think about the number of children that have been impacted over those 125 years, it's really quite profound. A worthy calling, 125 plus years of teaching teachers, is now open in the Blackwell Museum at NIU, and tours of the Milan Schoolhouse are also available by contacting the museum. Okay, now it's time for my conversation with special education teacher Jessica Sperry. I have a little one-year-old who is oh my goodness. a crazy little kid, and I just can't remember anything because I'm chasing him around. Yeah, so. God bless you with a, a one-year-old during the pandemic being a teacher. I, I'm I'm shocked that you've slept in the last week, if you have. I know, I know. Seriously, it's, this is like the hardest combination of things, but I'm making it. It's like I you know I always say that like I feel like there's been like several eras like I feel like I've lived four lifetimes during COVID yeah. so far and like you becoming a parent during it like I'm sure you feel like you've lived numerous different chapters of your life through this whole ordeal yeah it's it's been hard I don't know any different because I didn't have a kid before COVID but like sometimes I sit and think about it and I'm like wow like me becoming a parent is so different than anybody before COVID becoming a parent. It's crazy. It's true. And also like I, I realized that you know we've done 50 plus episodes of the show like oh, a nice. lot and I think you're the first special ed teacher that we've ever had on here. Wow that's Which interesting. I was kind of surprised by honestly. Yeah. So congratulations. I'm glad that you got to break the glass ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> But we've interviewed for other stories some special ed teachers over the you know over the course of the pandemic. Yeah, and I've heard them talk about how it was, especially early on. I hate to drag anyone back to March of 2020. <laughs> yeah, but if if I could if I could have you go back there really quick, like what was it like in those first couple weeks and months? I know I've heard from people that they had like you know were dropping off like you know paper and pencil supplies and yeah. things like that. What was it like for you and, and for you students back then? It was really difficult in the spring when the pandemic first started because it was mostly like students working on their own. We didn't have a lot of like the live meetings like we did when school resumed in the fall. And the online learning platform is just very hard for my students, you know, like, in my classroom, we work on sitting in our chair and in responding to questions. And it's hard to teach those things over a computer. Like it, it was just in the spring, it almost felt impossible. It felt like we just need to get through the spring and then we can start anew. Um, but as we all know, that's not what happened. Like. <laughs> pandemic continued and so we had to relearn our jobs and yeah we did a lot of um that in the spring we were dropping things off at students houses and doing as much as we could but that format was just not beneficial for our students so um once we started back up in the fall um, we, the district provided buses that would go drop things off at students' houses, like materials and things like that. And we got a good flow going, but yeah. it took a lot of work. 
to get there. Like a lot of work. I can't even stress that enough yeah. to get to, you know, cause my students need hands-on materials. I can't just show them something on a computer and they respond to it. We need to play with things and touch things to learn. And so we were sending a lot of stuff home and I had spreadsheets of stuff. I had, it was, it was crazy, but, but we did it. So. I know. And I imagine your inbox was like being flooded by parents with questions yeah. about how to help with it. Cause I, again, I talked to a bunch of parents around that time too. They were like, you know, like I, I understand, you know, I, I, with, you know, my, my kid has a, a learning disability or my kid needs reading intervention, but, like, but I am not a reading intervention ed- educator. Yeah. So like, yeah. And in, in my class, a lot of things are very hands-on. Like we, um, we help our students with a lot of things. We help them write. We don't just tell them what to write. We put our hand on their hand and we help them write. And so when we were with parents on the computer, we were asking parents to do that for us. And like, that's hard for parents who don't have the educate, like the special education teacher, you know, experience and title and parents are like, I have to do what? And I felt for parents so much and so many of them just felt so out of place and it like it was so hard and it it was, I felt so much for parents and I'm proud of all the parents who worked so hard. How were you feeling through all this? Like, did it ever not feel totally overwhelming? No. And it, it still, it still feels overwhelming. Like yeah. none of this has been easy. And, and personally for me, um, I was getting ready for a baby. Um, and so yeah, is there a Nobel a- peace prize that you can get somewhere? <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was so hard because yeah, I'm getting ready for a baby and I'm relearning how to do my job and I'm not leaving the house. And, you know, I was working from home even when um, my students came back to the buildings before um, the rest of the students did. And um, before I had my baby, I was working from home just to try and protect myself before I um, had my baby. And so I was, teaching students who were in a classroom with other adults, but I was at home and I was trying to do things with them. It was crazy. It was crazy. And while things have gotten a little bit more stable, you know, in us coming into the classroom, it's still, there's still a lot of obstacles. Right now, like now that people are back, you know, you're back in the classroom, have you started to have those moments where you make progress and you're like, oh, I actually, you know, I remember that, that we could do that. I remember that that was possible. Do you start to feel like you have more moments like that? Yeah, because it's, it, we changed the way we were teaching and then now we're kind of going back and yeah, I'm like, oh, I forget we can do that. I forget we can play games, you know, like when we were on the computer, we couldn't really like play games together. And I'm like, oh yeah, we can play games again in a safe way, but yeah, we're all kind of playing. I mean, I think students feel that way too. Right. Was there a like number one thing that you missed when everything was digital where you're like, once we get back in person, I'm excited to be able to do this again. Honestly, what it was is 
I have a new position this year. So I taught K through two last year. Mm -hmm. um, and this year I'm teaching high school. That's, so last that's a, a level up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, when we came back and it was when I had my K through two, I was really, really looking forward to hugs from students. And, and, you know, K through two, they're so, they love hugs and, and not that we could give hugs at that point. Cause it was like six feet away, but with my students, sometimes they just run up and hug you. And while I was like, oh, we have to stay six feet away. I was like, oh, I missed this. Like I missed the care and the love the students have for us. Like I do consider them, you know, like my children and I miss them and I miss that connection. Yeah. And now you're in high school, which I have to imagine is a, is a pretty different ball game now. Yeah. So I teach the same classroom, just mm. older kids. Right. So like, I'll get my students back one day. Um, yeah. And it's very different and same and similar in some ways, but it's very different. Um, it's more, gosh, teenagers. I, I was like, going to say, is I, it like, is it like, now that you have a small sample size, like, is it more similar to what you had before than you expected or is it more different than you expected going in oh gosh that's a hard question because there's so many ways in both directions yeah. I think it's I think it's more a little bit more hard than I expected yeah um because I just in elementary school they just want to make their teacher happy and they yeah. just want to work hard and at high school they're like and I want to sleep. <laughs> and I like that did not run through my head. And I was not ready for that. And so when we first started school, and they're all like, I just want to sleep. I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say to that. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, sorry, I think. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay. And so honestly, a big part of what I've been trying to learn this year is how to motivate teenagers to not want to sleep. And, and like of all the changes you would think from elementary to high school like that's been the biggest thing that I've had to learn is like how am I gonna make them want this because elementary kids just kind of go for no they're it. there they're the whatever the opposite of jaded is that's where they're at yeah <laughs> and, and now schoolers are like leave me alone <laughs> like what did I do? <laughs> I know you, you spend all day trying to keep high schoolers awake and then you go home and you're trying to make this one-year-old go to sleep. Like it's a constant yeah. balance that you're running into. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I remember, it, I feel weird, you know, asking this question almost because I feel like we're still not out of the woods with the pandemic. So referring to any of it in like the past tense feels like yeah. a, a dumb thing, but I feel like we've got enough experience with it now that we can start to like okay, maybe we can at least reflect back on what happened and that whole period and be like, oh, I mean, like, are there any silver linings that came out of it? I always, I'm, and I'm, I'm curious for you, like, do you feel like there are things that just changed fundamentally about how we do like special, like how you do your job that happened through the pandemic? Or do you feel like we just came out of this and now more or less things are going to be done the way that they were done back in, you know, 2019. Yeah. Um, I think honestly, it made me appreciate the way that we did things before. Um, mm -hmm. Because the 
online format was just not working. And when we first came back, you know, we had to be so careful six feet apart. We couldn't, you know, do anything as a group. And, and that's a lot what my classroom is, you know, we work on social skills, but like we couldn't play games because we didn't want them touching the same pieces and, and things like that. And a lot of their education in my class has to be hands-on. And so it just kind of made me appreciate, you know, how much the things before COVID are important to my students. And, you know, I think when, you know, there was a big debate about, should we go back to school? Should we stay home? You know, I was pregnant. So I was very like, I, I think we should stay home. Like, I really don't want to yeah. get sick, things like that. Um, and then there was, there was a board meeting and one of my students' parents spoke um, and she has a child with special needs. And then one of my current students, his dad um, spoke at a board meeting and, you know, he has a son with special needs and um, they spoke about how much this pandemic has been hard for their kids. And I was just crying. Like, you know, like for me, I wanted to stay home but my heart just ached for how much these pa like parents were struggling and how much students were, you know, missing out on, you know, we go on community trips, we go out into the community, we weren't doing that. We do a lot of cooking in my class, we weren't doing that. And those things are so important for our students to learn and we weren't doing it. And if you think about like their future, they need to learn those things. Those are like basic things that we all need to learn cooking and going to the store and things like that. And we were missing out and gosh, now so much more I put into perspective, like we really need to learn these things. We really need to work on these things because we missed out for so long and these students deserve that. Um, and so as much as we're able to do those things normally, you know, quote, um, we're trying. And so it's, it's definitely opened my eyes up to what's important for our classroom and what we really need to work on. All right, all the essentials feel that much more essential. Are we back to cooking at all? How, what does that look like? We are, we just, we just try to be as careful as possible. You know, if, if students can make their own food instead of like making it for the group, we do that. We're really focused on hand washing and all that stuff. But, you know, it's, it's really important for them to practice that. So we do it as much as we can in the safest way. I love it. I, I'm, a, I, I'm a huge home cook. What, what, are, what are some of the essentials that you guys go through? Is it like, are we doing omelets? Um, we do pancakes on Monday. Ooh, brilliant. Again, start of the week. trying to wake up high schoolers. I'm like, let's make pancakes. Let's, if there's anything that's going to get me up on a Monday morning, pancakes might be it. I think it's I a good call. <laughs> I'm like, I'm hoping they'll come to school like excited. They know it's pancake day. I'm trying my best. Um, <laughs> On Wednesdays, we have bagels, so they make their own bagels. Um, that's, 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 I would argue that's like an advanced maneuver too, like making your own bagels. Like that's, that's no pancake day. Like that's really yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah, I got the whipped, you can get whipped um, cream cheese and that spreads so much easier. We got that. It's nice. Well, there you go. People coming <laughs> to this episode had no idea they were going to get cream yeah, right? cheese hacks, but here we are. <laughs> yes. And it tastes exactly the same whipped cream cheese. Find it. I got it at Walmart. I'm sure. Perfect. I think, <laughs> um, 
And we actually cooked like a whole Friendsgiving. Um, our whole class, we you know, our last day before Thanksgiving break, we had a Friendsgiving and, um, you know, we, we cooked like everything. We had like a turkey, we had um, stuffing, corn, all the, all the good Thanksgiving stuff. And we sat in a circle and we had a Friendsgiving together. And that was, that was awesome. And each student kind of made a dish themselves. So that was super fun. That's awesome. That feels like a, a culmination of like, you know, we're, we're back, we're making food, we're together, we've yeah. got stuffing, things are good. Yeah, yeah exactly. The stuffing makes it all good. You gave your cream cheese hack. I will say this year for Thanksgiving, I made stuffing muffins. Oh, so I heard Stuffing and then packed it into like a muffin tin and baked it. And that yeah. was out of this world, the best stuffing I've ever had. So oh, neither here nor there, but people can take that one too. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> You know, I, I, I want to ask, because, you know, obviously I mentioned at the beginning of the show that this is a show where, you know, everyone that we have on is is nominated and, and they're nominated because people, you know, think that they're somewhat inspirational. They made a big impact on their life, something like that. Right. I always find that typically the people that we talk to, like the educators often had a teacher like that in their lives that made a big impact on them. That is maybe a reason why that they went into education in the first place. Did you have someone like that that comes to your mind immediately when I say that? Yeah, actually, a couple. Um, yeah. Well, to kind of preface it, I had a really difficult childhood, um, you know, and so I looked to my teachers for comfort and for to cheer me up. And I wanted to be a teacher since I can remember because they really, were. Always a safe, yeah, they were safe for me. They inspired me. They, you know, I loved going to school. I loved seeing my teachers. So. Um, in second and third grade, I had a teacher, um, Amanda Marino, and she, um, she was so much more than just a teacher. You know, she took me under her wing. She let me stay after school and help her clean up the classroom because that made me feel good. And, and, you know, we matched on dress like your dress, like, um, like what you want to be when you grow up. We like matched, we did our hair the same, we wore the same, you know, so she, she, really started that like those teachers that helped me that cared for me and then um in high school I had a teacher um Betsy Keller and she um was just just someone to talk to I mean like in high school that's just so important just having someone to talk to not even about bad things just a teacher to be like what's up what's up in your life you know and and she was always there for me. And, you know, that's, that's a lot to a high schooler, just being there for someone. And um, I, ha I had so many great teachers. I'm very, very thankful. I didn't grow up in DeKalb, so I wish I could call out some DeKalb teachers. Are you from, are you from like Illinois? Are you from the greater yeah. area? Um, I grew up near Chicago, like in okay. the South suburbs. Yeah. You know, I had so many great teachers that just made me feel so safe and excited about school. And I wanted to be a teacher since day one. So their teachers are amazing. They can make a big difference in people's lives. Was so teaching was always it for you? Was teaching kids with special needs? Was that always the goal or did that come later? Um, that came a little bit later. So in high school, we had a program. Um, it was a PE class and 
there were students with special needs and then um, gen ed students that and like we kind of had partners and we helped out and I just decided to do that because um, I I like helping people and I, I've always liked helping people and also, I'm I'm um, not very athletic, so I didn't want to take a regular PE. Uh, <laughs> Listen, nobody nobody wants to play like weirdly intense kickball at nine in the morning. <laughs> no, I am not an athletic person. I was like, let's let's have this fun PE class. You yeah, know? yeah exactly. and so I did that, and I just kind of was like, man, like these people make me smile every day, no matter how cruddy my day has been they make me smile every day so then I started thinking about special ed and then um, the special ed teachers in my school kind of heard about that and they let me um, visit their classrooms and it just confirmed what I was already feeling like this is what I want to do this is the type of classroom I want to teach and and that was it I went straight into college and I've my major never changed it's always been special ed that's always what I wanted that's awesome. You know, I always feel like, you know, people always talk about like the moment that they felt like, you know, this is something I want to do, but I always feel like it's actually the moment after that's even more important. It's like, okay, so you have this idea in your head. You're like, I want to be a teacher. I want to do this. But the moment where you actually like go into a classroom for the first time and you're like, oh, thank God, this actually is what I want to do. Yeah, like that's yeah. the moment for me that are like, oof, there's like, it's joy, but it's also relief. You're like, okay, like my instincts were correct on this. Like, this is yeah. actually what I want. Yeah, yeah, that was very impactful. And, and teachers like supported me. They're like, they're like, this college is really good for special ed and this, and you can come do this. You know, my high school teachers were very supportive of that. And yeah. um, I just got a shout out. I went to Argo High School. And like I said, all of the teachers there were amazing when I went there. So I just want to shout them out because you know, like, I mean, like I said, they pushed me to, to go to college, to go to a good college for special ed, get involved. And, and that was amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because like special education, I feel like, you know, I, obviously we talked to so many teachers on this show and talk a, a, so much about like the impact that you can make on students and how like that is something that's on your mind in the back of your head every single day. You're like, I don't know what I'm going to say today, but something that I say or do might, you know, someone might take that with them for the next 15 years. And like, what a weight, what a responsibility yeah. that is. But for special ed, it's almost like, you know, tenfold because I feel like teaching students with special needs, not only are you, like you said, hands-on helping them with like these really essential parts of their life that they're learning, but also like you have, an even greater relationship like with their families and with you know their parents and things like that yeah I you know because my students don't just come to school and learn and then go home and just turn it off you know going home they have to continue learning they you know, being home is a perfect place to practice the skills that they need. And, you know, not that we want to like overdo it, like make them work all afternoon, but like just natural things you do at home are learning opportunities for our students. And how can a parent who doesn't have training in special ed just do those things with their kids every day, you know? And so, I really in the past few years have tried asking parents like 
what can I do to help you at home? Because what we do at school, if they don't go home and do it too, there's, there's no benefit then. So we really have to work together to make things smooth between school and at home. And I, I, I love working with parents on that. Yeah. And I, I love when parents want to be involved with that. It's, it's really great. And it's really good for students when we have that consistency. Right. And even though you're not working with the same kids that you were throughout the beginning of the pandemic now, you hope that at least maybe one silver lining that comes out with this is that the bonds between, you know, teachers and parents in those situations maybe, you know, are, are forged even stronger throughout having to go through this entire experience with each other. Yeah, there are quite a few parents that, you know, I don't have their students anymore that I, I still talk to. I mean, not even if I like yeah. am giving them advice, but um, in my position as a special ed teacher, I usually have students for more than one year um, because we split it up where I, I had like kindergarten, first and second grade all in my class. So if I had a kindergartner, I had him for first grade, second grade, and sometimes even third grade. And so I'm like, how can I just be done with them after second grade? You know, yeah. like, okay, bye. Like, I, I can't just do that. And so I, on it, I do talk to a lot of my students' parents that I have because I'm just like, Where, where's my baby? What is he doing? What, what, you know, like. Yeah, keep me updated. I want to see the photos, yeah. Yeah, and so I, I really love that part too. Like the bonds that I've made with um, families and, and parents and you know, like I, I've added all my former students' parents on Facebook because I'm like, I want to see pictures, show me. And so I, I love that part of it. And like you said, now that you're in high school, eventually they're going to start coming back towards you. I know. I'm like, that is going to be quite interesting after they go through middle school and all that stuff and I get them back and I'm going to be like, looking up to them <laughs> right. that's when you fall back on pancake day and you're like this yeah. if anything I know I can motivate with them with that yes. pancakes <laughs> all right Jessica well, I won't keep it much longer I, I really only have one big question for you left which is something I end all my interviews on and we might have actually answered it throughout the course of our conversation anyway which mm -hmm. is just like is there something about teaching and specifically what you do you know teaching students with special needs is there anything about that that you think is more important than people outside of education might realize? Is there something about special ed that you just wish more people talked about when they talked about it? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, you know, in my job, everything is a learning opportunity. You know, like talking to a friend is a learning opportunity. Everything is a learning opportunity. And the one thing that I just want people in general to think about is, you know, we go in the community um, to practice things in the community and I have my students practice, you know, talking to a cashier and things like that. And um, many students have invisible disabilities, which means like, you know, a student in a wheelchair, that's visible. You can see that they have a disability, but many of my students have invisible disabilities. You can't see what they're working on, what they're, what they're struggling with. And I just think that people out in the world just need to be kinder because you just don't know what 
people are working on, what people are struggling with. And I mean, not even just towards people with disabilities. I think that's just a good rule for everybody, but, you know, to be patient with people and be willing to help someone. Um, those are things I think we all need to be better as a, as a society because my students with disabilities and adults with disabilities deserve to have the same opportunities in the community. And yeah. we all have to open our hearts to accept differences so that they can have those opportunities. Yeah, actually, one thing that just came to my mind, I, I was thinking about, which is like, especially now at the high school age, I, I was curious, do you guys ever use like tools? I'm sure you do from like different like disability rights organizations and things like that. Yeah, we try, we've talked about it a little bit, um, but there are um, tons of resources like in DeKalb that, you know, we touch on because um, those supports are needed. And yeah. um, to be honest, Illinois is probably like 49th for supporting adults with disabilities, um, which really sucks for my students after they graduate and, you know, they turn, they're, they're done with school and then they get no help. Um, Illinois is not good in that area. And so I think it's even more important as a community that we try to support our, our, the people around us. We help the people around us because, you know, it, there's not a lot of supports out there yeah. sometimes. And, and so, yeah. I don't want to make you dive too deep on like specific policy or anything, but are there any like supports that other states have where you're like, this is a no brainer. Why don't we have this? Um, I don't know, honestly, yeah, um, because I just kind of started yeah. at the high school level. I don't know. I'm still learning all those things like yeah. what, you know, what is what supports there are, because yeah. before I had no idea. Um, I don't I don't know, but I, I went to I traveled to South Carolina, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember, you know, every restaurant we went to, there was a group of adults with disabilities at the restaurant. And like, I feel like in Illinois, you just don't see that, like, because they don't have the support, they don't have, you know, people to coordinate that for them or to teach them how to coordinate that. And that's just so disappointing. Um, but I'm glad there are some states out there that have it. I don't know what it is that they do, yeah. but you know, it's clear that Illinois needs it and some other states have it figured out. That's all I know. Absolutely. Well, Jessica, I don't want to take up too much of your day. I'm sure you get students that are coming in a couple of minutes now. Yeah. I see we've, we've got some some Christmas lights back up there before we leave. Are you guys doing any fun like holiday stuff? Like what's going on? Um, our classes are doing a secret Santa. So we're Love gonna, it. we filled out some secret Santa forms and we're gonna um, go to Dollar Tree and buy some stuff for each other. And um, we'll probably do some fun stuff on the last day before uh, break because who wants to work on the last day before break so we're gonna have some fun on that day um, we drew some Santas the other day and um, we've actually been learning a lot about other um, like Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, Las Posadas we've been learning about all of those things so we're gonna do some fun yeah. stuff for those um, holidays also so 
I don't know. We're just, you know, before break, teachers, we, we're listen, doing our best. <laughs> it's been, it's been a hell of a two years. Just listen, yeah. it's every day is bagel day in my heart. Let's look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I just want to say that, like, um, I was so excited to do this. So I don't, I don't listen to a whole lot of music, yeah. but I listen to podcasts like all day long. I love podcasts. And so like to feel right now, like I'm on a podcast, I am like super pumped. I'm like, I can, I can have a podcast and people listen to what I want to say. <laughs> I mean, it's true. You literally are on a podcast right now. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's so exciting to me. I'm like, I love podcasts. This is so cool. Thanks for listening to Teacher's Lounge. As always, feel free to nominate a teacher in your life to be on our show. It's how we get great guests like Jessica. Send them our way to teacherslounge at niu.edu. That's niu.edu. And wherever you're hearing this podcast, subscribe, leave us a rating, share it, all those things that really do help us get more listeners, more perspectives, and more educators on this show. And subscribe to the Teacher's Lounge newsletter if you want to keep up to date on everything going on with the show. You can find a link to do that on the webpage for this very episode at WNIJ.org. And shout out to the Northern Illinois band Kind Ofs, who we love for providing the awesome music you hear every episode. I've been your host, Peter Medlin, and we'll be back soon with another episode showcasing the top education issues of 2022. We'll see you then.